everyone, the Booksing Podcast is back, again, but hopefully for the last time, we are having to record this episode via Zoom, meaning the sound quality will not be great. Thanks so much for understanding. On a more interesting note, we've got tons of new topics for our March episode. First up, let's talk about our month's specials. For March, our book of the month was Good Girl, Bad Blood by Holly Jackson. This book is the sequel in the series of A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Pippa Fitzamobi is back to investigating, even after having been sure that she would never risk her life again in the same way that she did when investigating the murder of Andy Bell. This time, it's not because it was her choice that made her change her mind to start investigating again. A close friend has gone missing, and Pippa is sure that this is not just a case of him disappearing for a day. So she has no choice but to investigate, leading her into even greater danger than before. This thrilling adventure is, in my opinion, even better than the first. Pippa is such a brave character, but also very sympathising. Also, you can often relate to her problems within her family or friends. Holly Jackson has made these books really capturing and exciting to read. Thanks for that. Helena, would you like to tell us some more about March's Character of the Month? Of course. This month it is Clovis King, or Jimmy Bates, from Journey to the River Sea by Eva Ibbotson. Jimmy Bates, Clovis King is his stage name, is an actor who plays for a group that is nearly bankrupt who meets Maya, the main character of A Journey to the River Sea, on a sea voyage. He is dreadfully homesick and distraught to think that if his voice breaks, he might get kicked out of the company with nowhere to go. He is not adventurous or very brave, but he's a great friend, loyal and hardworking. Yes, I agree. Even though he is not the main character, he is always very kind to Maya and seems like a nice boy. Remember, if you have any ideas or reviews for the month's specials, contact us via our email, io.booksync at gmail.com. Now, moving on to the word of the month. What is this month's word? This month's word is serendipity, an adjective meaning unexpected good luck, if you find good things without looking for them. You can thank serendipity if you find a pencil at an empty desk just as you walk into an exam and realise that you've forgotten yours. Thank you so much to our 300 followers on Instagram. And if you don't already, go follow us at Books.18. Last month, we read you all the sixth chapter of our lockdown story, Lockdown in Dandelion Estate. In case you forgot it, head to our website to find out more. Today, we will read you the seventh chapter. Chapter seven, Lockdown in Dandelion Estate. It felt good to laugh out some of the worries that had been preoccupying them, even if it was over a small thing. The butler's speech has boosted their morales for the time being, but now they had to organise the few bits of evidence they had collected. So, for the day of the knife, Ivy said, he was with our parents shopping from 9 to 11.30, and then he cleaned the cutlery from that time onwards. Why did it take him so long? wondered Edward. We know they take time to clean, but probably not three hours. He might have stopped for lunch and cleaned other things. The debate continued, but their conclusion was clear. They couldn't rule him out yet. Who should we interview next? Asked Laura after their thoughts had been scribbled into a notebook. Maybe the maids. We can ask if they saw anything. I don't think Blake would have because he was away or in the dining room. Good idea, agreed Laura. We also need to know whether they had a good pay so we know which one has a motive. The motive could be different. Maybe they want something else too. And Unbrunheld has been receiving many phone calls. Possible, but not probable, Kate told Ivy. I don't think there's much chance to find out, as we can't tell our aunts. The next few minutes were used to imagine ways of finding out that information, but they were, unfortunately, all declared unsuccessful by the five children even before testing them out. 
Suddenly, Ivy sprang up. Oh my goodness, I forgot I told my friends that I called them now. She rushed out and reappeared with their mother's laptop. She sat back down and turned it on. While doing this, she asked, can I tell them about the blackmail? No, responded Laura and Edward almost at once. I don't think it's a good idea. Just in case they tell someone, added Kate. Nodding her head, Ivy entered the call. Sorry I'm late, she exclaimed. I forgot the time. Really? I couldn't have forgotten. It's what I've been waiting for all day. It's so boring here in London, replied Sophia. Same with me, affirmed Maribel. What have you been doing? Um, I've been playing with my siblings. Where are they? Ivy tilted her screen so that her waving brothers and sisters appeared into the camera view. What is that pinboard behind you? demanded Sophia, spelling out some of the words. Blackmail? Aunt Brunhild? Suspect? Ivy snapped her screen back to its original position, her cheeks burning with guilt as she mumbled, we were trying to write a story and, um, um, well, we were trying to plan it out. Her friends, unaware of her lie, knowing her dream to become an author, greeted this with their natural enthusiasm, making her promise to let them read her work. Ivy suddenly changed the subject to what they were doing in London to avoid any more lies. Her friends were not sorry to tell her how boring it had been to be locked inside their houses, but they did it with such eagerness and excitement that it was hard to believe them. You're so lucky to be in the countryside, complained Mirabelle. You have so much space. I nearly forgot it there was a lockdown, declared Ivy a little sheepishly. There is so much to do. This conversation pursued for a dozen minutes before it gradually drifted to a stop. Mirabelle said, I have to go now. Are you looking forward to something? Not really, started Ivy, but added when Edward coughed and grinned at her. Actually, yes, Edward's birthday is in a week and a half. Great, I have nothing to look forward to. Did you know that we're getting schoolwork next week? exclaimed Sophia. What? Mirabelle blurted out. That's a disaster. My mum's calling me now. I've really ha- I'm really sorry. Waving goodbye to each other, they left the call. Ivy immediately apologised for showing them the board, but her siblings dismissed it saying that she had successfully managed to distract her friends and diverted them from the truth. They were about to go in- interview Helen and Adelheid when their mother called out from the garden. It's dinner time, children. Where are you hiding? Quick, let's go out before she finds us here. They sprang out of the den and ran to their mother, for once going in without moaning when she asked them to help lay the table. Although surprised, their mother was very pleased with this change of heart. Laying the table meant for the Lanny children that they would get to interview maid Helen who left very soon after dinner to get back home. She lived in the village. The children didn't know where, but sometimes let it slip that she was meeting someone, a certain Sam or Samuel. Helen was looking very flustered after the morning. She had spilled a pot of coffee on the sofa and left a stain. Unable to scrub it off, she had hurriedly covered it up well, as well as she could with a few cushions. To the children, this was suspicious behaviour, as they didn't know what she was uneasy about. Kate decided it would be best if she threw casual questions in the middle of the speech and examined her reaction. So, have you been doing anything today? asked Kate, glancing up at Maid Helen. Helen jumped slightly and replied hesitantly. Well, I was cleaning the house all morning. She's very flustered, thought Kate, as though something was troubling her. Laura followed the lead. How about anything special? Maid Helen blushed. Why, no! What were these children on about? Had they found something out? She was getting hotter and hotter as the landies fired questions her way. Repeatedly, she told them she'd been cleaning the room, but would not tell them anything else. No matter what they tried, they couldn't get her to tell them where she'd been during the afternoon. 
Edward decided they would have to ask her directly. How about after lunch? I was doing the dishes. Doesn't make Adele height do them, questioned Laura, whose eyes did not miss much. Helen was becoming more and more jumpy and uncomfortable. Helen was becoming more and more jumpy and uncomfortable. She 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 was feeling unwell, just, just after lunch, not very long. I asked her if she wanted me to do them. Her wobbly tone did not help to convince the children. And after, added Ivy, as though she didn't believe her. Why do you want to know, demanded Helen indignantly. There were some things she wasn't going to tell them. Why are you nosing around in my life? After this, the children thought it was better to stop, and Michael, who, as the smallest, had hidden to the table to take notes, slipped out from under, unnoticed. The maid was now very twitchy and dropped a glass in shock when Brynhild appeared in the doorway to call her for some help in the pens where the chickens were on the loose. She scrambled out of the room and followed their aunt. As Ivy went to fetch the broom to collect the shattered fragments of glass, Michael showed them what he had written, which all seemed to be rather suspicious. Helen was hiding something. What it was, they had no idea. Thanks for listening. And see you next month. Bye. Bye.